Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Kids Comics. And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to the second February special episode of Hey Kids Comics, where we are looking at Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's Dark Victory, the sequel to The Long Halloween. We'll get straight into it, unless you have a preamble. No? No, no, no preamble. So, email is still concerning the uh, episode we did about The Force Awakens. The Droid Awakens is from Matt Evans. Hey, Andy. Hope you're well, sir. I am fine. Michael, you can walk off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm alright as well, thank you. (laughs) Glad to hear you enjoyed The Force Awakens. I I wanted to quickly run a theory past you based on something you and Michael discussed in your episode. You were questioning why R2 woke up suddenly and whether it was BB-8 that had reactivated him. It is an odd moment, as we wonder why R2 didn't drag his lazy metal ass out of bed earlier and save everyone a lot of time and effort. On first viewing, I couldn't quite recall what occurred, but this is what I got from it this time. When BB-8 first bumps into R2 trying to wake him up, 3PO explains that R2 has been dormant since Master Luke went away. Yet when R2 finally springs to life, he does so before BB-8 turns up. And then they do their joining of the map parts. Something reactivated R2, but it's not BB-8. So something significant must have changed. We're never explicitly told what it is. My reading is that R2 had orders from Luke to reactivate and help lead people to him if, and only if, the time was right, i.e. once the Force had reawakened, in his daughter, possibly. I think it's the fact that Rey is finally on the Jedi path that brings R2 back. Not to suggest that R2 is Force-sensitive, which I wouldn't necessarily put it past him. At the very least, the little blue and white dude has always had some pretty strong handles on what's going on. Let me know what you think. All the best, Matt. Well, what do you think? How would R2 know, though, that Ray's on the Force path? And how would Luke program him to... To know that? Yeah. Unless, like Matt suspects, R2 is strong with the Force. I guess. Because that would explain a lot. Yeah, but wasn't our theory that the reason why Luke left Ray on Jakku was to keep her safe and away from the Force? Yeah, but we don't even know if that's true yet. No, but following that theory, yeah. then why would he program R2 to only turn back on when he comes across Ray? It does seem like a very, very long shot. It does. Doesn't it? Like, so, on the off chance that this girl yeah. from this planet... Especially when him ditching her there, he doesn't want her to leave. Yeah. If indeed that is what's going to turn out to happen. Yeah. Because it certainly does seem like Leia recognises Ray without actually saying anything. I hope that's not true. I don't want another deadbeat parent story. I suppose, but it, it works and makes sense. Yes. Although we don't know Ray doesn't know that Luke's her dad. Because he actually says to her, who are you waiting for? And Jackie, your parents? And yeah. she doesn't answer. 
So I don't know. I don't, it's as maybe, good. Maybe an, she does know that Luke is her dad. That's why she's going looking for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's as good an explanation as any, Matt. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's one of those things. Maybe it'll be explained in the novel. But there's a lot in um, the Force Awakens where it moves at such a clip. It's like Avengers too. Mm. There are like one line of dialogue does explain a lot, but you have to be paying attention to get yeah. that line of dialogue because. One of the things that's been really bugging me as we're recording this is that so it's not been out that long. Is forty plot holes in the False Awakens or whatever, and people writing reviews where they're slagging it off, which I don't mind. If you didn't like it, you don't like it. Yeah. That's that's fair enough. But if you're going to slag it off, do slag it off for what it got wrong, because there's an awful lot of these reviews that are saying and this happened and this was stupid, and you're reading it going, but they actually explained why that happened. Yeah. If you were paying attention, you know, if you could actually let your hatred flow through you... You do have to accept that a lot of those things are clickbait, though, really. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. It's a good explanation, Zen, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so until something happens, Matt, that uh, proves you wrong, we will go with your explanation. (laughs) I like it. Neil Stanifer emailed in, uh, also, about the Force. The Force hits the snooze button. I don't think Neil liked it. The Force Awakens... Hey, very good. I like that. I listened with interest to your Awakens episode and was pleased to note we had many of the same problems with the film. Rather than create a new Star Wars movie, Abrams did here what he previously did with Star Trek Into Darkness. He rehashed previous bits and pieces of another artist's work while forgetting to create anything genuinely new. Yes, the film is visually appealing and should be seen on the big screen if it's going to be seen at all. And yes, I do think it's worth seeing. But that's really my problem with it. I can't hate it. I want to hate it. I want very much to hate it, but I can't. It's a bog-standard sci-fi film, and it does what it says on the tin, no more, no less. Like Star Trek Into Darkness, the movie has a competent cast, stunning production quality, and delivers the eye candy. And I have a feeling that that's all many moviegoers are after. When I complain to my friends about the missing third act, the locomotive of coincidence standing in for absent plot, the cringeworthy exposition that passes for dialogue between Han and Leia, the dull infallibility of Katniss, I mean Ray, or the sheer insult of the big... The bigger, deathly, a big Death Star planet, the answer back with something like, Chill, dude, it's a Star Wars movie, not a Hamlet. That's just it. Seeing a Star Wars episode should somehow feel different from seeing The Fast and the Furious Part 8, but it doesn't, at least not in the ways that matter. Maybe I've paid too much for these rose tinted glasses, or maybe I've spent too much time shaking my cane at those kids on my lawn, or maybe we've just forgotten to expect and demand something exceptional and original from a Star Wars film. We should never feel comfortable saying or hearing, it's just a Star Wars movie. All the best, Neil Stanifer. Well, I don't. I didn't feel that way. I See, here's the thing. If any other movie, mm. any other movie, had come out and I'd have enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed that one, and I'd come out and the funny bits were funny, come on, because they were. Some of it was a little bit corny, but some of the humour in Star Wars is corny. Yeah. And the dramatic bits were dramatic, and I was engrossed in it from the beginning to the end, and actually wanted to pay... To go and see it at the cinema again. Yeah. That would be considered a resounding success, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yes, there are other problems in that it's more Star Wars and Empire than it is original. 
but it still felt special because it was just a Star Wars film. Yeah, if, well, it feels special because it was a Star Wars film, not just a Star yeah. Wars film. I don't think we've got to the point yet where we're at just a Star Wars film. Ask me again after Disney have turned out, not just Disney. Disney. <laughs> yes. After Disney have turned out, that's what we're doing over Daisy Ridley. Ask me again what. No. Oh. Ask me again if we still feel this way after Disney have churned out episode 8 and 9 and spin-off movies and yeah. all these other things that they're doing. We may, <laughs> we may get um, such a thing as just a Star Wars, but for me, this was hugely enjoyable. Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I've, I've got to say. I, I hugely enjoyed it. Whether it's going to stand the, the test of time, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think it will. Okay. Definitely. Alright, fair enough. Next, e- oh, we've not got another email. It's one I've already read. It's from Nathaniel Wayne. It's the one I read last time. Right, okay. Or in Long Halloween. They're all blurring into one. One thing I do want to mention, though, Nathaniel hosts uh, 90s Comics Retrial, which is great. Okay. That's a great show. You should check that out. He digs out old comics from the 1990s right. and just has a look at them and see if they still work. Okay. And uh, he's done Web of Spider-Man and uh, a couple of X-Men, and it's, it's a good show. So you could go and check that out on the week's when we're not on anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> go, don't check it out instead of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because we're not there anymore. That's, that's the way to go. It's well worth checking out. It's a very good show. Uh, we'll be right back after this ad, possibly for 90s Comics Retrail, if you've got a, a promo I can include. And um, we'll have a brief look at Catwoman Wayne in Rome, and then we're back to Dark Victory. 30 years ago... I walked into a comic store, and I picked up G.I. Joe and the Transformers number one. A month later I came back. They say every journey has a first step, every story has a beginning. This is mine. I may have begun my comics collecting career in earnest in 1990, but from the fall of 1986 until the fall of 1987, I was a regular at my LCS. So in honor of 30 years of collecting comics, I'll be recapping and reviewing all of them on the days they originally came out. So join me, Tom Panneries, for Origin Story, a podcast miniseries starting this September at popcultureaffidavit.com and twotruefreaks.com Starting in December 2015 A new epic series. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality proudly presents Batman v Superman a 13-part miniseries from Trentus Magnus Punches Reality John M. Wilson and Magnus shine a spotlight on a crapload of Batman comics and a crapload of Superman comics all this preparation for the theatrical release of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and once that's all over We'll take a five-hour-long look back at 2013's Man of Steel. Finally, 
we will come together again to discuss our thoughts on the Batman v Superman film. So join Magnus and John as they recount the adventures of Batman and Superman in comics. All is preparation for Batman and Superman's first adventure in live-action feature film. The adventure begins in December 2015. Batman v Superman. Only at twotruefreaks.com. Batman vs. Superman, a 13-part miniseries from Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Only at twotruefreaks.com. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast. A new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International. Blah ha ha podcast. Coming March 2016 as part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Uh, Catwoman When in Rome takes place during the events of Dark Victory. Selena Kyle heads to Italy to further investigate the Falcone crime empire. What follows is a serious romp, exceptionally funny in places, hopping around Italy, with Selena and the Riddler being a double act. Sales art in When in Rome is exceptional. Arguably better than either Long Halloween or Dark Victory. There's a lovely wash colour. Oh, it definitely is. To the, uh, to the art, isn't there? He does the wash in Dark Victory a little bit. Yeah, but there. not as much as he's doing it here. Yeah. Which is absolutely glorious. Um, while it's a lot of it's played for laughs, there is a serious dramatic through line to the proceedings. Catwoman loses her clothes a lot, uh, but she gets to drive a Vesper and go, Ciao! As she drives around and uh, look at that claws, yeah, which are genius. Uh, um, but sales draws a very voluptuous Selena Kyle, so you know that's always worth looking at, clothed or not. Um, it's carried through with such wit and verve. It's very hard not to like it. It yeah. really is a very enjoyable six issue miniseries. Plays into both the Long Halloween and Dark Victory in interesting ways. But we can't really talk about it much because you've not read it. I had a lot to read. <laughs> Overnight. You expected me to read 26 issues. Well, so what, another six wouldn't in, have killed you? In two back-to-back shows. Yes, you wouldn't have killed you. What do you mean back-to-back? This is January and February now, dude. You had a month. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, back to Dark Victory, Chapter 7, Fools. The calendar man is all orange. Looks like a big orange. Looks like they've just plucked him from some Florida Would tree. Would it be better if he was just white? Yes. Black? Because he's white. That's how he's portrayed. Because that's how he's portrayed. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. They should have you as a consultant. Exactly. On 
Why am I not working in comics? Uh, oh, uh, wait, I am. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, do you get paid? Well, not yet. Okay, well, there you I'm go. I'm self-published. You are self-published. I am. That's true. That's how Bendis started. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, the cops open fire on the Batman who uses gas to escape. As he dodges bullets and branches, he muses on the case. Merkel was killed somewhere else and moved here later. Here being the former home of Harvey and Gilda Dent. Harvey is now Two-Face and has been on the run since Halloween. Gilda hasn't been seen since she left Gotham after Harvey's accident. Lopez continues to barrage the Batman even through the gas until Gordon stops her. He knows he has to deliver the news to Merkel's wife. In a kangaroo court, Two-Face interrogates Calendar Man, a.k.a. Julian Day, on the stand asking him about Holiday and who the killer was. No, who the killer is... Julian says that, using all the evidence, only Harvey Dent can be the new hangman killer. Two-Face presses for more information. Julian says that if Harvey's files are being used for the killings and Dent knows who is in those files, perhaps Two-Face's line of questioning would be best aimed at Harvey Dent. And best be quick, after all, today is April Fool's Day, another holiday. At the Falcone estate, the voice that keeps addressing Alberto leaves him a gun in an ornate box. How can this voice be calendar man? The gun is a 22 holiday's weapon. The box was Carmine's and Sophia, who just walks in, demanding to know where Alberto got it. Alberto isn't interested in her petty squabbles with Mario. He has his own plans. So there's a Mario and a Luigi in these stories. Yeah. TMA. As Bruce Wayne trains, he goes through the clues, but it takes Alfred to point out he's doing it wrong. He's mistaking words and not looking into it with due diligence. Bruce reacts like a petulant child, but Alfred points out that this is all since his insistence on being alone. On the rooftop at GCPD, the hangman attacks his next victim, James Gordon. However, even though Batman is here, it's Two-Face that saves Gordon. He doesn't want anybody thinking this is the work of Harvey Dent, but he refuses to help otherwise. Despite this, he leaves a dossier that links O'Hara and Merkel to Harvey Dent. And what is that link? They all arrested Mario Falcone. Anthony Zuko is getting fed up with scurry freaks and super creeps. As he looks at a poster for Halley's Circus, he smiles. He's found a new way to smuggle in his merchandise. So, yeah, so how can Calendar Man be doing the voices? Calendar Man's on trial with Two-Face, right? Yeah. And then we cut to the Alberto home, where Alberto is hearing the voices. Is there supposed to be some passage of time, though, giving Calendar Man time to get all the way back to the Alberto house? I'm assuming, yeah. Given that it's supposed to be Calendar Man that's doing the voice of his dad. Yeah. Okay, alright. <laughs> it, it, it works. I mean, it doesn't have to take place immediately. The no, I suppose there could be some time differential. Especially since the Scarecrow's also involved and yet is at the court. Yeah, alright, fair enough. So there must be some time differential, though. Mm. Yeah, alright, that's fine. Uh, excellent opening sequence, very James Bond. Great In, colours. Yeah, because yeah. the, the, it's night time, it's all blues. It, there's some brilliant bits where Sale doesn't What's that Calvin doesn't actually use lines to depict something. He just uses the colour. Yeah, so that's absolutely brilliant. I really like that. And one thing I, I did notice, Harvey and Janice spend a lot of time in expensive hotels. Mm. Which one of them's paying for this? I'm assuming she does. You think? She spends a lot of time naked in this story as well, doesn't she? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Two-Face cross-examines Calendar Man. Uh, again the best scene in the chapter because mm. we mentioned before the courtroom drama stuff is really good Julian Day is the calendar man is icy cool even with a gun in his face yeah and he frequently disarms Two-Face by referring to Harvey Dent however I think it's, it bears repeating April Fool's Day not a holiday 
you know. Uh, the training montage, which I was expecting to be soundtracked by some, you know, big 80s rock pop. Because even Rocky had a montage. Even Rocky has a montage. Uh, as Bruce runs through his clues, is really cool. He's approaching it in the Rocky 4 way, as in he's using everyday things to, to train. Mm. Uh, he's chained up at the bottom of his pool, he breaks rocks, he climbs the spires of the manor, climbs down chimneys. All the while, the omnipresent figure of Alfred is there to point out that Bruce is misquoting the notes. A big faux pas when looking for clues. And he even gets the order of the victims wrong. Mm. Alfred points out that Bruce has been out of sorts since being exposed to Scarecrow's fear gas. Yeah. Which you said was just thrown out though. because that was great it was so small and yet integral yeah that Bruce was messing up and yet it was just thrown away so yeah it was the Scarecrow despite the fact that him getting the clues wrong is what gets him back on track at the end yeah so yeah, it is nice that they're acknowledging that all these exposure to all these mind altering drugs do affect him yeah because normally just shakes him off doesn't he Alfred's brilliant, as Alfred could, usually is. Could you imagine, because of all the like the drugs and stuff he's been on, mm. could you imagine him on actual, proper, real-life drugs? Just like, oh yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, he'd probably just have the immunity to all that now, Exactly, he? yeah. So he probably wouldn't bother him in the slightest. Uh, the Two-Face Gone Batman scene on the roof mimics the similar scene in Long Halloween. This time, they're all at odds, though. Although Two-Face does, despite what he says, leaves them a huge clue. Yeah. He says he's not going to help them, I'm not going to give you anything, and then he leaves them a massive dossier. Did he flip a coin? Maybe Harvey did it, but Two-Face was talking. Yeah, alright. So he flipped a coin and decided to leave them the dossier. I've got to admit, despite my introduction to part one where it was all about Robin, mm. I had completely forgotten until Halle Circus showed up that Robin was even in this. Robin's not in it. He's not. Because he only becomes Robin on the last page. The last four or five pages of the last issue. Yeah. Dick Grayson ends up being in it a bit, but I've forgotten that, I know. Yeah. So I did that big, long-winded introduction about Robin. <laughs> He's not even been in it. I think Robin being on the cover's a bit of a... Yeah, I think it, the fact that it kind of implies it's going to be a Robin origin story and they don't do anything with it, do they? Especially since they set up Haley Circus near the beginning. Why? How did they do it right at the beginning? They set up Tony Zuko, even. Oh, yeah, they set up Tony Zuko. You're absolutely right, yeah. Um, the usual out of the way, excellent art, magnificent colouring, better pacing, long Halloween, generally more engaging story, blah blah blah. Unlike long Halloween, which really did have a touch of the hushies to it, mm. this is moving along at a decent clip. I mean, yeah, read it in segments is a bit disappointing, everything you're saying, I'm taking on board, but I don't really care about the Hangman Killer, which you say is a major flaw in a murder mystery. Yes. I'm reading this as a character-based drama that just has some murders in it. Because I'm not arguing with the other the character yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. and this is great. It's just, it should the, the subplots shouldn't be better than the main plot. Well, well, see, the main plot is just so much in the background in this one, though, isn't it? It really it's like is. You find the Hangman Killers, but even Batman and Gordon up particularly seem to be that it's bothered like by no it. no one cares. Yeah. Which, uh, again, they could have done something interesting about. Even Cal- though... Calendar Man is doing it because he wants people to pay attention to him, but no one really cares or pays much attention because it's just copycat killings to last year's killings. Yeah. That's that could have worked as well. Yeah. So you, you plotted out this better. I mean, it does feel like stuff's happening, even when that's not actually true, it feels like something's happening. Yeah. Loeb is very good at digging into characters. His examination of Bruce and Harvey's well done, even if his characterization sorry, of Batman as petulant thug is starting to wear a bit thin. Mm. What do you think of that? Is it just... Am I... Is that something that's just bugging me? No, I... I, I no, I definitely 
agree. But I, I just, again, Morrison, Capullo, he, he, he doesn't have to be godlike to be competent. No. And even yeah. in this, it's got nothing to do with... If he did beat up people too much, mm. then have him be a good detective. If he's going to be a crap detective, don't have him beat up people too much. Well, that's what you were on about when we covered Long Halloween. I would have bought him beating up Alberto if all his frustrations were just coming out, if that had been depicted in any way competently. Yeah. Whereas maybe at the end of this, I'd have bought it more. Because he, he did that in Hush. Yeah. When he beat the crap out of the Joker because we were seeing him having flashbacks to Barbara. Yeah. So if they did something like that in there... Oh, yeah, and we've got those beautiful yeah. Jim Lee panels, don't we? So if they did... Maybe you learned his lesson by then? Possibly, yeah. Oh, no, all right, fair enough. Chapter 8, Battle. It's all about the Joker. No Harley. The Joker hits the Maroney's restaurant and disappears, leaving Batman to figure out that they are using the sewers to get around. He's trying to open up to Gordon again, but displays nothing but contempt for Janice. The next day, Bruce Wayne attends a board meeting at the Falcone penthouse run by Mario. The Joker hits it, a brazen attempt on the lives of the once untouchable crime family. Bruce is less than impressed. Gordon and Janice learn of the hit, but Janice only seems interested in Mario. As they enter the car park, another dead body is found hanging over Gordon's car, this time a newspaper clipping of Gordon and Harvey attached to his chest, and the hangman's clue this time states murder in the first degree. The Joker continues his crusade against the Falcones by attacking Sophia in her home. He chucks her down the stairs, mocking her affliction as he does so. He is rewarded with a bullet to the shoulder from Alberta. The Joker is about to end them both when Batman arrives, his blood up after the attack on the Falcones. Initially he attacks Alberto, and it's Sophia, who survives the fall, who tells him about the Joker. Batman pursues the Clown Prince, putting him down. At Halley's Circus, Zuko gently asks Halley to move his stuff across state lines. Halley is reticent, but Zuko points out it's an easy gig. After all, it'd be a shame if anything happened to his biggest act, the Flying Graysons, wouldn't it? You know, if the Joker had succeeded in killing Sophia here when he chucks her down the stairs, this story would have ended. Yeah. And nobody would have known why. Yeah. Because there's been no clues to her being hangman killer. They would have just stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it, it, they could have done... Um, a, a, a reveal that made some kind of sense. Yeah, that as well. Yeah. But they didn't. Uh, gorgeous opening to this issue. The Joker stands on the side of an old sedan, opening fire with an old Tommy gun on the Maroney's place. It opens up to a stunning two-pager where sales just lets it all hang out. Mm. That's It's gorgeous, isn't it? The art's brilliant. I've got no problems with the artwork. Maroney calls the Joker a cafone, which means an ignorant slob. Right, okay. Which is a very tame insult for the Joker, isn't it? Yeah, you ignorant slob! Yeah, and The yeah. Joker just turns around going, Oh! Oh, I'm wounded! Wounded by that! <laughs> Sticks and stones! It's it's not quite a piece of shit, is it? It's not quite a, a scrunz or strunz or whatever yeah, you call yeah. them, is it? No. Yeah. Uh, Janice meets Batman. Batman doesn't even look at her. Yeah, I love also contempt. Gordon's dialogue. Hmm, and he usually leaves with a polite goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. See, when Lobe's on. See, that's what I, th- I think that's what carried this one for me. The funny bits are funny. Yeah. The character bits are good. It moves along much quicker than Long Halloween does. And even the end of this one with the Sophia reveal wasn't as bad as, as Long Halloween, where you're left going, what? No, that's because that reveal was completely botched. Batman's been in the sewers. 
So he stinks. So he stinks again. But he's seen that Harvey and Grundy are there. Oh, I, I skipped over those two pages. Why? For some reason, reading it, those two pages are stuck together. All right. And I actually thought that was a really interesting scene transition, to have the shadow of the Joker, and then you cut to Commissioner Gordon saying there was a shootout. Actually, that really does work. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is those two pages are completely redundant. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Joker attacking the Wayne board meeting. It's really chill. The two pages are good, but you're right. You can yeah. remove them. It is brilliant when he looks at Mario with pure contempt and says, I better not find out you had anything to do with this. Because mm. Bruce hates it when his lives collide. Yeah. Because he's very good at compound martelizing. Compound mar- What's it called? Com- compound mar- I can't say it. Com- com- compound mentalizing. Right. That's the one I'm looking for. So it's wonderfully written by Loeb, wonderfully rendered by Sale, but you're right, that works just as well. Mm. If you go from the silhouette of the Joker to Gordon saying there's been a shooter. Because that actually works more tensely because you don't know that Bruce hasn't been killed. Yeah. Well, we do know Bruce <laughs> hasn't been killed, but you know what I mean. Uh, Bruce goes in the sewers, Harvey and Grundy are there. It takes him a while to deduce that everybody's down there. Yes. And given that the sewers seem to lead straight to the Batcave... Yeah. That was the dumbest bit of this. That was. We'll get to that when we get to the end. Uh, Giannis is a bit obvious when she shows no concern for anyone at the shooting except Mario, Mm. which is a massive red herring. Yeah. And I know I shouldn't, but the Joker's really funny when he chucks Sophia down the stairs. It's kind of like the scene in Gremlins with the old woman. <laughs> That's exactly the thought I had when she goes up the stairs and, out the window. and just goes straight out the window. And you shouldn't really laugh at it, but you do. It was the same with this when she he just kicks her down the stairs, and it shouldn't be funny, but it's it's, it's very funny. Um, and you actually do feel a bit sorry for her at the bottom of the stairs when she can't move. Exactly, but to find out that that's just a lie. Yeah. Why is she doing this? Her life's in danger. Who's she acting for? There is that, because at this moment in time, Mr. Myrtle's dead. Yeah. The Joker's killed him, so her bodyguard is dead. She doesn't know anyone else is in the house. The Joker's about to kill her. You're absolutely right that in real life, she would throw pretense out the window, grab the gun and shoot the Joker. Yeah. Because he's just idling down the stairs because he thinks she can't move. So, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make sense, given the later revelation that she doesn't actually need the wheelchair. Yeah. I suppose you could have established, and this would have been really stretching it, okay. that she did need the wheelchair, but the Joker chucking her down the stairs fixed her? No, that don't work, does it? Because no. then who did the earlier killings? Yeah. Although he didn't seem to think about that in Long Halloween. I mean, maybe so. if she got her strength back gradually throughout the series mm. that might have worked but still the early killings yeah but no you are right though if, if it's life or death she would throw her secret out of the window yeah and she would have grabbed that gun I did love the line you shot me you bitch yeah <laughs> get away from my sister Joker so kid brother has some lead in his pencil after all that was good and the colour, redundancy, but the colour in this series is stunning. The Joker's bathed in colour in the Falcone mansion. When Batman bursts in through the window, he's in a room with no light, so he's all shades of blue and purple. Mm. It's absolutely gorgeous, some of this. But then, rather stupidly, he goes after Alberto. Why did he... That, this bit didn't make any sense to me. Why Alberto did he go straight after Alberto? The gun but the Joker's there! I suppose, yeah. 
He needs Sophia to point out that the Joker's the threat. Explain that. Explain this to me. Um, so Batman's not smart. No, he isn't. He smashes into a room. He's heard gunshots at the uh, the Falcone house. Yeah, why is he? Is he on the way to the Falcone house for I've a reason? No idea. He sees Alberto, the convicted murderer of twelve people. Yeah, holding his murder we- weapon. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he just assumes. Yeah, I suppose it, you could say that he was just watching the place because he says I've been watching you. But, but then he would most definitely know it was the Joker. That the Joker was there. Yeah, probably would have interfered a lot sooner. Yes, yes, he would. So this didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But okay, um, he, he beats the Joker up again for for fun. Yeah, <laughs> which you would. Nice introduction to Halley's Circus with Zuko hitting on Haley for use for his truck. Gorgeous shot of the billboard that advertises the circus yeah. with the flying Graysons. The only problem with that is it makes it look like they've got two kids, doesn't it? Young Dick Grayson performing the quadruple well, no, spin of doom. Because they're both on it twice. Oh yeah, okay. Good that. I do like as well Dick's doing what he shouldn't be doing and hanging around the circus at night and he overhears yeah. the guy say, be shame if something happened to them. Dick, on the very first panel he's introduced in, is a better detective yes. than Batman. I mean, it, it was dumb luck that he was there, but he manages to piece it all was together it later on. Was dumb luck? Because we see him following them through the earlier page. Yeah, we do. Well, why, why is he... Is he following them or is he just practising? Um, it could he's be. He's using either. the whole place to practise what he's doing. But I just got that he'd sniffed out some strange new guy was here talking to the boss. And he was having a nose. Yeah. Yeah, alright, fair enough. I can go with that. Uh, nice reason for Bruce to be at the circus as well when the inevitable will happen. He missed Mother's Day. Hmm. So going to the circus, something that his mum loved to do, is his way of honouring her. He also has complimentary tickets. Because like a lot of rich people who can afford such things, he gets freebies. Yeah. Um, actually, he gets them because the Wayne Foundation has done something. Donated. Yeah, something like that. Because a, a lot of people over the years have said, well, he's Bruce Wayne at a circus on his own. Yeah. And so the, it's usually a day, isn't it? As a rule, he's not only taking a day or he's on his own or whatever. But here they just explain he's got free tickets and he's going for his mum. Yeah. Which is a very simple explanation. It works. It works really well, yeah. Um, I like this one. Yeah. I thought this was excellent. Unlike Long Halloween which by this point in the story felt like it was spinning its wheels. Uh, this is amping up quite well. It helps that Loeb isn't hindered by the gimmick, but he's able to bring in new elements into the story more organically. Because mm. even though, like you say, he is committing crimes on the holidays, she, as it turns out, they're not confined to that. So no. Hangman can kill people at other time if he wants to. She... The Joker's cameo feels more related to the story than in Long Halloween, where it was just a goofy adventure on a biplane. Yeah. And it's some, some great art, another nice character beat, so it was a good issue. Yeah, it was. Enjoyable chapter. Lovely artwork, as usual. Chapter 9, Orphans, has a red cover. Bruce Wayne as a child, and Dick also as a child, are stood in front of the masks that they will adopt as Batman and Robin really effective in its simplicity, even if it's kind of a cheat because Robin isn't in this series until the last three pages of the last issue. I love the way they've just used two tones of the same colour. Mm. Which is nice, isn't it? Following the accidental death of the Graysons, their child Dick finds himself in the care of Bruce Wayne, who witnessed their death. Dick is convinced this was no accident. 
Alfred is left comforting Dick, with Bruce gadding about as Batman. Zuko, who orchestrated the accident, is concerned that Dick thinks this isn't an accident and starts making plans. The Falcones are in holding, but Janice tells Batman and Gordon they are to be released. Gordon has no evidence to keep them. Batman has done a bit of homework and asks Janice how well she knows Alberto Falcone. After all, they did attend Harvard together. Janice tells Batman to butt out. Gordon is concerned about his team, especially after the death of Gustafsson, but the team say he knew the risks, which is fortunate, so Connor is Hangman's next victim, hung in his shower, with his message reading murder in the first. Batman spots Dick on the roof of the manor and tells him that his parents were killed. He promises that, when the time is right, Dick will help catch their killers. Later that night, Bruce visits his parents' grave to tell them about Dick. It's pretty much covered in five wordless poster-style pages, but conveyed exceptionally well. Oh, yeah. A really great opening. I love that two-page spread of very much echoing what Maz Tuelli did with Bruce Wayne's parents, both in the spotlights, Dick crouches beside them, and Bruce also in a spotlight with his hands clasped in front of him, just looking, like, paying his respects. That's mm. a great page, that intake. I really like that. And then the next page, it's sometime later and Dick's already living with Bruce yeah see so there must be some passage of time in between the issues we didn't get six issues just in the car journey (laughs) sorry I mean the car journey the bat rocket and then the bat boat journey yeah we didn't we didn't get all of that no that's a shame because I think that's what this story needed some more goddamn yeah, Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's exactly what this story needed, <laughs> the goddamn Batman. And uh, the goddamn Batman referred to him as a retard and making him eat rats. <laughs> all of that, that's what this story needed. I, I, I think we could all agree. Let's, let's be honest, though. If he only had to eat rats, he could have just nipped down to the bottom of the cave, met with Solomon <laughs> Grundy and eaten some of that meat. <laughs> he could have gone down to Solomon Grundy and had a nice three-course meal. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the chandelier conversation between Dick and Bruce is, is absolutely Alfred. brilliant. Alfred, yeah, not Bruce. Uh, I love. Uh, you think I'm going to fall because he stood on the chandelier, and Alfred's. I said nothing of the sort. Although I can't speak for the chandelier. Mm. Alfred's funny. I like it, and I love that Dick's already. This was no boating accident. Yeah. So he's already twigging that something's going on. Like you said, Dick's already putting it all together. Mm. Dick's already a natural. It's really good. Uh, the Falcone's bickering in the cell is also really well handled, so I, I really like that, with Alberto being the level-headed one. Janice saying they have to be released is a foregone conclusion, because that's pretty much what she says all the time. Yeah. Because uh, they've got nothing on them. They've got nothing on Sophia or Alberto. Alberto shooting the Joker was self-defence. The Joker clearly attacked Sophia. Yeah. And killed the bodyguard. That, that, there's no reason for these to be arrested. Mm. On that, because Jan- again, Janice is right. Yes, which pains me. Alberto being the level-headed one, I'm still not happy with. He's not the same character he was at the end of the Long Halloween. He did a complete role reversal in between issue thirteen and issue zero. Yeah, well, I don't know whether he's finally twigged that maybe I don't want to spend the rest of my life in jail for notoriety. I suppose. So, all right, okay, fair enough. Um, the best bit of this one is there is a lovely flashback scene contrasting between present day moments between Alfred, Dick and Bruce with Alfred realising exactly why Bruce has brought the boy home the artistic touches, the layouts mirroring what happened in the past Dick and Bruce are in the same places but separated by what, ten years at this point? 
If Dick's about 11, Bruce... Yeah, Bruce will be about 20. 15 years, sir. Separated by 15 years. Um, they say similar things. Alfred is also in the same place in the present and the past. Bruce's pages are in black and white wash tones. However, in the last panel, we see Dick looking in the mirror and seeing Bruce. And then in the flashback, we see Bruce looking in the mirror and seeing Dick. Yeah. Which I thought was, was really good. Absolutely beautiful. My personal favourite is that page, though. Well, um, Bruce says he's all alone, Alfred says nothing and watches him leave, whereas mm. in the next one to Dick he says, I wish I'd have said this to Bruce. Yeah, you're not alone, yeah. and you never will be. Yeah, that is lovely. I read these pages, um, panel at a time, so I had Dick, then Bruce, then Dick, then Bruce. Right. So instead of reading it as a page, then as a page. And it still works. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. It's good when you can do that in time. Um, new murder. This time it's O'Connor. Who is presumably Irish because he's got an Ireland flag on his well. It's funny how the person who did this was currently in a jail cell, or had just gotten out of jail. Yeah, this is supposed to be Sophia. Yeah. Um, well, when where does the letter go in relation? I mean, there must be some time as we don't passed. see them be no. let, get let go. Yeah. But right. yeah, some of the time has to be fiddled with to actually make it work, doesn't it? Right, I'll, I'll save you some effort fiddling. It doesn't. It doesn't actually work. The scene with Batman and Dick and then Bruce at his parents' graves, which now seems to be a Wayne Manor. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? And a completely different gravestone. And a completely different... So there's not even any consistency within maybe, their own story. Maybe they're both buried in the Wayne grounds, but there's a memorial at the, at the at, cemetery. At the cemetery, possibly. It's as good an explanation as any. Mm. All right, we'll go with that. Seeing as, you know... That's what happened. Um, heartfelt and moving tribute to the Waynes at the end, which sums up the issue. Batman is finally being a detective, figuring out that the Graysons were murdered, telling Dick this, and he also figures out that the acid that was used to murder the Graysons was the same acid that was thrown in the face of Harvey Dent. Yeah. Which is good. Dick adds some great humanity to the strip, as was its purpose. And there is, as always in stories of this type, that unspoken connection between Dick and Bruce from the beginning that lends a believability to the relationship. I mean, one thing I think that this emphasises that is oft overlooked, Alfred is Dick's real father figure. Yeah. Alfred's the one that really raises him. Bruce is just like that big brother that you look up to that's not around much. Yeah. And you'll learn some stuff off him and you'll study with him and play with him and all that, but he's not really his father figure. Hmm. That's what Alfred's doing. And then that's captured beautifully here. Nothing much happens in this chapter in terms of story, but the character interlude, when handled as well of this, isn't a bad thing. And introducing Dick to the story really works, because he's, he's bringing something fresh to it. I suppose, despite... He is a bit unnecessarily, though. Unnecessary. Why do you think that? Because... Uh, He's only in it right at the end. Yeah. The only thing he really does is say, it's nine, not none, and yeah. beat up a couple of guys who, the bad guys who wander into the Batcave. Yeah, He's only he, really here to show some character parallels. But it works, though, when it, he shows his character parallels. It does, but having him jump in this late into the story shows that he wasn't necessary to be in it at, at all. Right. I'm not saying I don't want him to be in there because you know everything you said is right. It, it adds some really nice character moments, mm. 
But I do feel like he's only in there just to be more of a glorified cameo than the bad guys were in the long Halloween. Mm, okay. See, I, I thought Dick's inclusion in this was really good. Mm. Alright, fair enough. Okay. Mr. Freeze takes the cover, as you might expect, for issue 10, so it's a wash with blue, and it is entitled Justice. Commissioner Gordon leads his team into the sewers. He's waited long enough. The evidence all points to Dent, and he should have acted sooner. Two-Face has help, though, making it difficult for Gordon's crew. They also have help. The Batman. As the rogues whittle down the team one by one, the Batman returns the favour. However, King, one of Gordon's team, is the next victim of the hangman. Justice is blind is the riddle, although Gordon has no time to ponder its implications. Two-Face has Wilcox. Gordon stirs Two-Face down and arrests him. A Halley Circus dick, tired of waiting, launches his own investigation. He witnesses Halley being beaten on and steps in, but he's no match for the bigger men. Before he can take a bullet, the Batman swoops in. He makes his warning plain. Halley's Circus is off-limits. Dick wakes up in the cave. Batman tells him that if he wants to help, he needs to be trained. Dick wonders why he cares. The Batman pulls off his cowl to reveal the face of Bruce Wayne. It's quite interesting, the parallels between Long Halloween mm. and Dark Victory. In Long Halloween, we saw the fireworks over Gotham. Yeah. Here, we see them over Wayne Manor. And again, the effect is similar. Although the fireworks are more nicely coloured. Yeah, this and time round. nicely reflected in the Yeah, pool. and reflected. Again, and Alfred, little tiny Alfred, though, set them off. Yeah, Alfred setting off the fireworks over Wayne Manor. All on his own. Who's he setting these off for? For Dick. Yeah, Dick looks dead impressed, doesn't he? Because Bruce is leaving, and Bruce asks Dick, how does he like him? Mm. Bruce has an internal monologue that acknowledges he may not have done Dick any favours by taking him in. Yeah. Which is nice, because he's never around. But he's got Alfred, though. Mm. He's not going to... One of the things I do like in the Chuck Dixon one, I think it is, is Dick saying goodbye to the circus people. Yeah. Who are essentially his family. Because there is the thing, why did they not adopt him? Mm. And basically it was decided that they couldn't give him a stable home life. I suppose, but neither can Bruce, really. Mm, well, Bruce Wayne is seen as a very eligible bachelor with lots of money. I suppose. That's, that's the way it goes, isn't it? Well, uh, also, to deal with your themes of isolation, mm, that's what Dick's doing That's now. what Dick's doing now, yeah. So, it's very well done. Uh, I do like that Commissioner Gordon is being portrayed here as more than a useless fop. Yeah. Like he is on the TV show. Gordon's badass here. Mm. Isn't he? He's leading his team into the sewers. He's really, really quite cool. And the art's great. How did they get all this equipment and weapons and fest, though? If what they're doing is off the book? Uh, Presumably Gordon can authorise all of this surreptitiously. See, we could have had a a third in the trilogy here Mm. where... Gordon's on court <laughs> for operating outside the police force. I did And in a shocking twist of events, his defendant is Harvey Dent. That would be cool. Yeah. I don't get that he's he's off book. But he is though. It's a task force assigned to Gordon and Gordon can give them their orders and he doesn't have to answer it's to anyone. It's an unofficial task force though. It even, is. Even the commissioner has to play by the police rules. I suppose so, but I, mean, I suppose that's like the Secret Service version of Gotham City, isn't it? They're on Gordon's Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, is the answer. I know it's a minor nitpick, but if if you're, yeah. if Loeb can make 
media stories out of minor nitpicks, then. <laughs> which you can. Um, which one of them gets frozen? Is it Lopez or Wilcox or something? Mm. And she says, uh, now I know what a TV dinner feels like. That's a diehard gag, isn't it? Probably, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's in diehard. Yeah, because it's when he's through the vents. Yeah. This is much better in terms of Batman. Mm. This is um, shadowy Batman, the one that other characters don't know is here. Yeah. And we, the reader, just see flashes of him as he takes down the crook. Oh, I love how he takes him yeah. down and Gordon just carries on going yeah, about. The, the Mad Hatter gets a bead on Gordon and he's about to shoot him. And then all we see is Batman's fist come in and Mad Hatter's face going, Mah! And then next is just his hat. Yeah. And Batman's completely took him out without Gordon knowing that's more Batman. Mm. That's the Batman that we like. That's really good. Gorm doesn't even know he's been there, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. The Hangman Killer is down in the sewers with them and kills King. It's stretching credibility somewhat that neither Batman nor this elite team have spotted them. Yeah. Even if momentarily, but okay. But Batman's still pretty awesome when he needs to be. And his putting of the man down and just called Cock Dick is textbook when they get to Halley Circus at the end. Absolutely brilliant. Just punches him down. Circus is off limits. Mm. That's all he needs to say. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Dick asks where they are when they're down in the cave. Batman says he's never named it. Yeah. Which is a nice nod to the opening of the original Death in the Family trade paperback that established it was Robin who added Bat before everything. Right. He considered that a little bit too whimsical for Batman. Um, Dick's story is getting short shrift in many ways, isn't it? Yeah. It's been told in very broad strokes. Um, I don't know if this is because they think that Bat fans know the story, so it's not been given the depth it deserves. I suppose, because we don't even get a Bat origin told in this. No, well, see, I don't mind that, because Batman's already established. Yeah, but uh, we don't get... We, we get enough of it in Long Halloween to be able to put it together. Yeah, I suppose. We just what, So this, the, the kind of... I mean, Chuck Dixon devotes far more time to the Bruce Dick dynamic in his comics. Yeah, but let's be honest, though. Do these two stories work if you don't know who the characters are? Not really. Yeah, I'll so be we don't it. need no deep much detail. And so, stuff. yeah, I mean, Chuck Dixon's the high watermark on Dick Grayson. But, mm. Yeah, all right, fair enough. This is a good chapter in of itself, though. It's Batman being the shadowy creature of darkness we all love. Taking down villains with stealth skill, sales art, and the colours are gorgeous. It's a nice parallel that both plots in this issue are Dick and Gordon doing something they've been putting off and should have done a while ago. So it's it's really quite good. What do you think? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, we're getting an issue we should have gotten a lot earlier on. Yeah, if if one of the points of the story was to do Robin's origin. Because ultimately, how many times have they gone, it's Harvey Dent, let's do something about it. Oh, no, it's not Harvey Dent. <laughs> it's Harvey Dent, we'll do something. Nope, not Harvey Dent. Yeah. It's definitely Harvey Dent this time, we'll get him. Nope, it's not. <laughs> Alright, chapter 11's got Poison. Oh, Poison Ivy is, isn't it? She's burly, in it? Yeah, she's burly, isn't it? Poison Ivy's on the cover, so the cover's green and black. It's called Passion. Harvey Dent prepares for his court date. Coincidentally, a year to the day since he was last in a courtroom. Meanwhile, Batman is trying to track down Zuko the only way he knows how, by beating on the Maronis. This all leads to him telling Dick that the time is right. At the Falcone mansion, Alberto listens to the voice of his deceased father, which urges him to kill Sophia and take his rightful place as the head of the five families. Despite this, Alberto cannot do it. Batman takes on Zuko. Zuko flees, but Dick is outside who chases him down. Zuko has a bad heart, though, and suffers an attack. He 
tells Batman that it was him who broke everyone out of Zar Arkham and that the Maronis are twins, which I'm sure isn't a revelation. They play that like it's a huge big deal. It's like, I'm sure they're twins. What's the big deal? Zuko gets Batman to promise to keep him alive, which Batman fails spectacularly at. Janis takes a meeting with Mario. They had a deal. He helps her take down the Falcones, and she... We don't find out what she gets. Janis interrupts and tells him she'll call him. In court, Two-Face takes the stand, but Janis objects. Two-Face isn't a lawyer. He swears in as Harvey Dent. It's a trial in Gotham, so it proceeds as you would imagine. At two o'clock, proceedings are interrupted by the rogues. Two-Face makes his escape with all the evidence. With the courthouse in tatters, Wilcox is left to escort Judge Harkness. As she gets in the elevator, however, she's hung by the neck. The kicker is, she knows her attacker. Lovely splash face of Two-Face. Yeah. I say lovely. With a bar splitting his face. Yeah, so it's another one of her. I always love his suits. Yeah. Two How did suits. he get those tips? Who makes those for him, yeah? <laughs> and it's, it's not just these suits, it's these shirts and ties. And yeah, everything's always put the shirts are on one side of it. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. I've got this invention that he does it himself. Probably. <laughs> but they're always perfectly cut. Yeah. They're not like stuck together really badly. It's like they are tailored suits. So, alright. Maybe there's somebody in Gotham who does that for the rogues. I suppose. <laughs> A, like, a criminal fashion designer. Yeah, like there was somebody called Gambo in the Marvel comics who used to do that, named after Paul Gambaccino. Right. So, all right, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's Killer Quilt as now. Crazy Quilt. Crazy Quilt, yeah. Yeah, yeah but he was blind. Maybe that's why it's Two Face. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Sale Jaws Janice to be much solar than Two Face, but this scene portrays them as complete strangers, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's possible there are worse somebody's watching them. I kind of got that she's showing some kind of feelings towards him, but can't, because they're not in a bedroom, they're in jail. And he's just... Well, he's he's always binary, isn't he? Yeah, alright, okay, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's... It did feel like they weren't communicating with each other as two people that have been sleeping together, but that's not really been that important to the story anyway. Well, they'd be sleeping together in secret. She's been... She's a district attorney who's been sleeping with a criminal... Yeah. Alright, fair enough. Maybe that's why they're playing it down. That's alright. Uh, as the story's evolved in this one, Batman's become less thuggish. He's still exceptionally brutal. Yeah. Which can be really funny. With a fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh... He's got Pino Umberto, and he's got Umberto's face to the grill. Like he's going to burn it. Mm. <laughs> and Pino comes to attack him, and he throws hot soup in his face. Stay down! <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at those scenes, but they're funny. So, I suppose. You know, okay. uh, Loeb, do you not think he's, he's darkened Dick up considerably? I suppose. I mean, not just his look, because he's very definitely got a guy liner on, <laughs> hasn't he? But there's a distinct whiff of Jason Todd to this version of Dick Grayson. He's a lot more street smart. You're not fair? I guess. But how much is that just updating Dick for 2000. Oh, I don't mind. That's what I, mean. I don't mind it at all. Because one of the things with Dick is there was always this thing that he was a little bit too squeaky clean as a kid. Mm. And by doing this, you're giving him a rough edge. Yeah, it also... It would have been a bit too jarring to have squeaky clean Robin in what's essentially a mafia crime mm. noir story. Yeah, so it really it does show how you could probably still do Robin in a film mm. if you so wanted to. 
I think, I think that would and not as lame as they did it in Dark Knight Rises yeah so I, I think that could work quite well and then the great return of the, the holiday killer yeah the um, holiday killer returns and doesn't kill Sophia yeah and I just I don't see the significance of that fo- I mean I know it's following the whole page layout of the holiday killings but it's Alberto just playing a bit of dress up I don't see the significance of this yeah, especially seeing as it, it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. And Alberto ultimately ends up with a bullet in his head. Is it a red herring that we're supposed to think Alberto is the holiday killer? Well, we're supposed Again. to think that anyway. Yeah. So. No, I just got that he, he couldn't kill his sister. Yeah, no, that, that's that's what I'm getting. And But what, that didn't stop him killing all those people in Long Halloween. Yeah, but what I'm saying is why has he got the costume and the gun up again? It's a, just to walk around the house. Why is he doing yeah, it? Why is he dressed up as Holiday to kill Sophia? Yeah. Who's he doing it for? His dad. I'm sure his dad doesn't care whether he puts the hat and coat on or not. No, yeah. yeah I, I, I get what you're saying, because they're both in the Sophia mansion. The yeah. Falcone mansion, so why bother going... Why bother putting the costume Unless on? it's a red herring that we're supposed to think Alberto's hangman. Yeah. Them. Which we are. He is one of the people that was supposed to. But like I said, by this point, I just didn't care about exactly. that. Exactly. He's not. He's not a suspect. No. And you can't have. You can't have a suspect if you don't care about them being the suspect. Which the thing is, Alberto's not a credible suspect because he's got a gammy arm. Yeah. And therefore, he's, he wouldn't really be capable of, of hiking the noose. Yeah. So he's not really a suspect, is he? All right, that's fair enough. Okay. I love that Batman when they go after Zuko, which causes a heart attack. Zuko basically says, get me get me to the thing, promise, keep me alive. And Batman says, oh, I'll do what I can. Mm. He doesn't actually promise to keep him alive. No. So he's not broken up, but he's dead. And I liked this because it's showing the harder edge around Dick with having yeah. the, the Zuko die. And it'd be partially because of Robin, but it's really a, a lot more subtle than, oops, I almost killed Hal Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I like this scene because it, it does come back to the, the Robin origin from, from earlier on. Yeah. So I, I think but that's really good. Then we have that gorgeous splash page that's ruined mm. by that by that line of dialogue. And to this day, I have yet to find my parents' killer. Well, you, mm, you could just have not found him yet. Yeah, I mean, again, it shows that Dick has potential to be a great detective. Yeah. But it also shows that Dick is a better detective than Batman. But Dick's potentially better than Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, okay, I don't mind that. Uh, did you get that it was played as a twist that the Maronis were twins? No, I didn't care. No, well, I thought they were twins from... The, I've referred exactly. to them in my synopsis as twins. The, the, the act and look and dress like twins. Yeah, so why do they make out that it's a big deal here? I don't know. I didn't get that at all. Does it change anything? No. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't matter. Alright, fair enough. Janice has not really been portrayed as being a badass before, apart from the scene where she stood up to Batman. The art carries the change here when she's she's dissing on um, Mario. Mm. Love the shade in her and her eyes as she's looking down at him like that. Now get out of here before somebody snaps a noose around your neck. Yeah. So are we though supposed to think Janice is hangman? Could be anyone. Couldn't it? At this point, it could be anyone, and I wouldn't care. 
and we didn't. Yeah, exactly. To be honest with really. um, excels at the courtroom scenes. This is another excellent one. And Seal also excels at it as well. Yeah. Showing the difference between who's talking, Dent or Two-Face. Yes. Just by moving where the character yeah. is stood. Yeah, it's really, really good. Absolutely brilliant. Um, this is kind of low-key until the courtroom blows up. Mm. <laughs> Especially given the revelations that Janice has a connection with Mario, long suspected but now confirmed. Wilcox knows the hangman killer meaning the whole of Gordon's team probably know him. And in fact, it turns out that they do. We also get Dick's first night out, crucially not as Robin, which was a bit weird, although Zuko's heart attacks a nod, like I said to earlier tellings. After a period of keen activity, this was a lull before we get to the final couple of chapters. Oh, there's a great couple of panels, though, where Ivy tries to seduce Two-Face, and he sends her away, and just behind him is a picture picture of of Gilda. yeah. We never did find out what happened to Gilda, did we? But she's we still don't find out why the Riddler was killed. She said she went away. Yeah. Okay, I mean, two first killed her. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> assuming she had a bit of a breakdown and then buggered off. Uh, I would imagine she had a bit of a breakdown. Although, you know, there could have been a page at the end where Harvey walks past her dead body in his hideout. <laughs> that would have worked. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a one-page throwaway thing that... Ex- Oh, actually, it would have held quite a lot of depth yeah. as to Harvey Dent or Two-Face. Yeah, as to who did it. Mm. Yeah, and he just keeps her in carbonate. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Revenge is chapter 12. The cover is all about Two-Face. It's a bit purple. The Joker brings Janice to the sewers to see Two-Face. Janice demands that Harvey tell everybody what they mean to each other. Two-Face shoots Janice in the head. Harvey Dent is a married man. Whilst Gordon tries to figure out who murdered Wilcox, and by extension all the other victims, the Batman is concerned that Janice has been missing for two days. He drops by Gordon and tells him that Janice was involved with Harvey at Gotham U. She may be a leak. Janice is a leak, i.e. she's leaking blood all over Alberto Falcone's bed. The voices tell Alberto that the police won't believe he didn't commit this murder, and he should kill himself. This gives Alberto pause. His father would never order such a thing. Alberto shoots at the mirror to reveal the true face behind the voice. Calendar Man. Julian is concerned he is being forgotten. That is unacceptable. Nevertheless, Calendar Man ends up with a broken jaw and dumped in the road. Clues point to Alberto and, at the Falcone mansion, Gordon finds Janice's body. Batman isn't as convinced that this is as open and shut as it seems. As he pulls over the clues in the cave, Dick Grayson takes an interest and asks if the first clue could refer to nine of you are safe rather than none of you are safe, referring to the nine members of the Falcone crime family. Bruce concedes that Dick shows promise. At the Falcone penthouse, Batman investigates. He finds a secret room with Hangman's nooses and a hastily scribbled Hangman message. You lose. Before he can investigate further, a noose drops around his neck and is yanked out of the building. Hanged by the neck, the Batman is stunned to see... Catwoman. Once again, the Joker is somebody's lackey, which is not a role I see the Joker fulfilling. Mm. I wouldn't have minded if there'd been a reason the Joker was doing this, but there isn't, is there? He's doing it for the five million dollars. And uh, I suppose to kill the holiday killer. Mm. He's, he, he's been promised Alberta, wasn't he? Mm. But why does he need Two-Face for that? It's not like you don't know where he is. I suppose, yeah. So, and it's not like they've got a police guard or anything, despite the fact the Joker's already attacked them at it's home. It's just to have the rogues gallery together, isn't it? It is. It's just an excuse to use the rogues. Uh, is the implication here Harvey and Janice were having an affair whilst Harvey was engaged to Gilda? I didn't get that, but... 
Did you not? No. See, that was my inference from what they were saying. She knew... She transferred to Harvard. Falcone had left for Oxford from Gotham U, where she knew a young professor named Harvey Dent transferred out the year he married Gilda Dent. What I got in that was she... They they had a thing, he got married to Gilda, she got jealous and left. Right, okay, that works as well. Yeah. So, you know, alright, maybe they weren't having an affair then, because that would make Two-Face a two-timer. Yeah. Which I thought was quite delicious. I think but, having right. that happen would kind of... It would undercut his marriage. Yeah. Which, yeah, he, all right. he's, 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 His character's already been tainted. Yeah, he doesn't need that extra yeah. bit. Alright, fair enough. Porter. What does that say? Good, Good luck. Look at Harvard Harvey. Yeah. Alright, so he signed a book for him. Mm. So that's nice of uh, The Calendar Man plot was the best bit about this. I, I love... Remember what we were saying the long Halloween bit? Where, mm. Oh, he's, someone's going to wake up with a horse's head yeah. in his bed. Well, he woke up with Janice dead in the yeah. bed. Which, no which one's going to believe that you killed him on this <laughs> the day of my daughter's wedding. So, so Calendar Man's been behind that mirror this whole time. How's he getting in and out of the house? The... The holes in the wall. Okay. The calendar man in the walls. Alright, fair enough. This I, was great, though. Yeah, the calendar that man re- stuff was really good. And it, I think it would have been quite cool if... Maybe not cool, but if Alberto had gone through with it, and then calendar man does what he does. Yeah. The, the calendar man stuff's really, really satisfying. Because, like we said earlier on, there's that meta level of commentary to it. Yeah. That the calendar man is a forgotten Batman villain in the annals of the rogues. He's, he's up there with, you know, crazy quilts and yeah. various other people. So, it, it it's really good. Especially since he isn't a murderer and he never becomes a murderer. But there wouldn't have been much, like you said, to twist it so he does yeah. become a murderer. And so on that page, we have both a reveal and a motivation behind the hangman killings. That they don't use. Yeah. Which is a shame. Alright. It seems odd that Alberto, burly ten stone dripping wet, would be able to overpower the much larger calendar man. It's Sophia. But it, it is, yeah, it's Sophia. So that was the only real clue in this entire boot that it definitely wasn't Alberta. When your only reveal is in the... the your it's only on page 329. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did love the, the, the Batcave scene where Dick Grayson is the one that figures it all out. I love the two panels where Dick is leaning against the table the same way... That Bruce is, yeah. Which is really good. So he's already... Taking on board is is what he does and his his hero worship on him. But the look of pride on Alfred's face as well. Mm. When um, and I love those panels where Dick's looking at the clues and then he looks at the nine and then he looks back at the clues and he's like, "You didn't realise you're missing yeah. this, right?" Which is really really brilliant. Alfred's just gee, his face is and Bruce's line. The kid shows. Promise. By promise, he means the kid is better than me. Yeah, which he, which he is in this bit. Oh, but here we have to one of my problems with it here. Yeah. He comes into the hangman's hideout, right? Yeah. To find a bunch of nooses uh, and masks. The masks don't mean anything. Because we've never seen the hangman. Yeah. Unless he, the implication is the hangman's wore the mask so the people won't know who he is. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make any sense because they all end up dead. That is implied, but if... The masks really only would have existed for the reader. Yeah. So then why have them here, but not actually in the story? Because we've never actually seen the hangman, have we? 
Yeah. Because if we see him, we know it's Sophia. So we don't need... So we don't need the masks. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's a valid point. Um, and Batman gets yanked out by the neck by Catwoman. Is it by Catwoman? Or is it just a trap? I got there was a trap and Catwoman was the... Catwoman was the... Right, yeah, okay, that works as well. That's fair enough. Yeah, it does not look like Catwoman set that up, does it? Mm. All right, fair enough. Um, a penultimate chapter, all loose ends being wrapped up. The final act is still to be unveiled. Dickie's the best character in the issue. Yeah. By far. And the reaction from Bruce and Alfred's pretty awesome, though. The final chapter is called Peace, and has Batman and Robin running in front of the rising sun. That's which... a very... one of his Spider-Man blue covers. Yeah, pretty much. It's also weird, because in the, in the actual issue, that was coloured green. What was it? Black colour of moon, green. Alright, okay. That seems very strange to me. Anyway, let's wrap it all up, should we? Batman pushes himself away from the wall with such force, he flips upward and back onto the roof where he manages to subdue the stunned Catwoman. She tells him all about the When in Rome miniseries where she found out that after falling from the roof, Sophia was spirited away to Italy where she underwent plastic surgery and orthopaedic help. Catwoman couldn't find her orthopaedic surgeon, however. Batman wants to know why Catwoman went to such lengths. Who is Sophia Falcone to Catwoman? Catwoman refuses to answer. Batman returns to the cave where he removes the neck brace that allowed him to survive the hanging. He's in a stroppy mood and Dick believes he can help. Alfred is certain Bruce will never ask for it. Columbus Day. The remaining heads of four of the five families are murdered. Two-Face is responsible, but his allies are starting to wonder where all the money Two-Face promised them is. Two-Face says it is in 11 warehouses, all untraceable. When the job is done, the locations will be theirs. As Mario turns to Batman, Gordon and Lopez for help, Sophia murders Alberto in the Falcone mausoleum. Mario tells Gordon that he was providing information on Sophia's activities, but with Janice dead, any deal he may have had with her is over. He inquires about Wilcox, telling Gordon there was an L. Wilcox on Sophia's payroll. Batman deduces that Sophia is Hangman. Suddenly, Gordon's office is firebombed. With Gordon busy, the Batman takes to the sewers. As he runs, he pieces it all together, and it all leads to Sophia. Meanwhile, Sophia has just tackled Two-Face, declaring that her father used to say that you are never stronger than when people think you are at your weakest. She loops the noose around Two-Face as Batman figures this was all to ruin Harvey Dent. As Batman saves Two-Face with a quick batarang, Sophia engages in fisticuffs, but Two-Face puts a bullet in her head. Two-Face and his entourage flee as the flames lick their boots. The sewers lead to a caged entrance, which Solomon Grundy tears off, sadly rendering him deceased when it is revealed that it is heavily electrified. The caged entrance leads to the Batcave, and Robin is there to tackle the goons. Two-Face is about to gain the upper hand when the Joker shoots him. He falls into the water. With his gun aimed at Batman, the Joker prepares to fire as Robin smashes him in the teeth with his staff. Batman sighs, disaster averted. Gordon later thanks Batman. Without him, they never would have stopped Sophia. Lopez has been deeply affected by Wilcox's betrayal, but Gordon offers her a chance to work with him to rebuild the GCPD. Mario Falcone burns the Falcone estate to the ground. Selina Kyle visits Carmine Falcone's grave. She leaves a rose on the grave of the man she believes is her father. Behind the frozen and preserved body of Carmine Falcone, Two-Face tosses his coin. In the cave, Batman asks one more time if this is what the boy wants. Dick says yes. The fight continues, only Batman is no longer alone. Boop, bop, boop. 
man. Is that not the, they're, they're the lyrics, right? I'm sure they're not messing these ones up. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, Batman escapes from the hangman's noose in an effortlessly cool way. Mm. He pushes his legs against the wall and then swings upward in that big arc. So he lands right in front of Catwoman. And he pulls this off because he's wearing a neck brace. Yeah. Which Alfred made him wear. Has Alfred been making him wear it throughout the entire case? It would make sense. It would, wouldn't it? this is the first time we've heard of it. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit campy. But I liked it so much, I didn't care. I suppose, but when you're dealing with uh, a murderer whose crimes are all with him hanging people... Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean, it works, yeah. and it's fun, and it's really good. We get a double page spread just to see Catwoman's boobs. Yes, that's that is the focal point of the page. That's not, a real, that's, that's not a necessary double page spread. No, no, but this issue's double-sized, and, ah. she's, and she's, it's all about Two-Face, and she's a double day. So there you go. <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, Sophia how long Sof- have you been waiting to do that pun? It just came to me. <laughs> It was good though, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, Sophia's Survival is a serious retcon. If you go back and look at the long Halloween, we see Catwoman witness her fall to her death. Yeah. We don't see Catwoman see that a bowler catches around a gargoyle and swings her into a window, which is what happens here. Mm. And that smashes her face, and she's spirited away by Mr. Murty. Uh, plastic surgery does what it can, but Catwoman's unable to find an orthopaedic surgeon, which is a big clue that Sophia is faking a disability. According to Dark Victory, Catwoman sees all of this. Go back and look at Long Halloween. Yeah. It ain't in there. Not even a clue that it's in there. But alright, so, severe retcon. One of the things we did wonder about when we covered Long Halloween, how much of that was thought about when they did this, or was this all building on that? Because mm. there's an awful lot of loose ends in Long Halloween that they pick up really quite well in this and then there's that that feels really forced I think we might have gotten to the end of Long Halloween and then he's like hmm I can do a sequel I can do something but then then you've got the soap opera edition of Mario Falcone yeah which is also like shoe all day oh we need another kid which was (laughs) never mentioned in the previous story which is is Um, in the cave I did love that uh, Dick has a number of potential superhero names on the board. Did you spot that? Batty. Batmite, Batty, Batboy and Spooky. <laughs> Batmite. Batmite. He's actually got a Batmite there. Very nice. I thought that was really quite funny. Uh, Alfred and Dick have been really well written in this series. Yeah. They, they've been exceptionally well written. Loeb gives Dick just enough of an edge to be a circus brat whilst he remains this side of likeable. Alfred telling him Dick will never be asked for help is pretty much like giving him the keys to the car, isn't it? Mm. In many ways. Uh, the main problem with this is I don't ever see Batman's rogues gallery working together. And that yeah. this, this issue kind of hinges on them all working together. It's not like The Flash, where I can actually see them hanging out. Because they are a team. Yeah. Whereas I don't see this being a partnership that lasts very long. Yeah. I think it'll go badly for everyone. Isn't they're not just in it for the five million? Yeah, they're in it for the money, but like we said when we covered Long Halloween, what does Solomon Grundy or Poison Ivy need with money? Or Mr. Freeze? Or Mr. Well, I can kind of... Mr. Freeze wants to fund something. For Nora. Yeah, that kind of thing. I can buy that. The Joker don't care about money, does he? It's, no. Unless he needs the money for more 
Joker mobiles and Joker planes. Yeah, alright. Yeah, they cost money. <laughs> yeah. So, right, or he right. could just steal them and then paint them himself. He could just, yeah, like he did in Long Galloway, so far enough. Uh, Sophia Falcone kills Alberta. Yes. I thought she was all about the family. Apparently not. Uh, Nine are safe, apart from this one. Apart from this one. Yeah. That I'm going to kill. And as with the Long Halloween, Batman needs help putting all the clues together. Mm. As here, it's Dick that, that helps push him along the path. Although I'd have to say, I buy Sophia as a bad guy more than I ever bought Alberto. Yeah. But he's a bit weak, isn't he? Yeah. So we get the big confrontation. Sophia confronts Two-Face. She hangs him. Batman saves him. And then <laughs> Two-Face puts two bullets in her head. So her reveal really was for nothing? Yeah, pretty much. So that's no more hung juries. <laughs> oh, he says insanity play. Oh, come on, a hung jury would have been funny, a joke. <laughs> let the side down there, Two-Face. The rogues flee. And yeah. this bit was just dumb, wasn't it? How far from Wayne Manor is Gotham City? That depends. In the TV show, they had that side up, are say, we, 14 miles. Are we on the cliffside Wayne Manor here? Well, it, it depends, doesn't it? But Harvey Sewer was clearly under mainland Gotham. Yeah. Because when Mickey Sullivan flees from the police in Chapter 2 of Long Halloween, he runs down the alley, goes straight into the sewer, finds Solomon Grundy. Yeah. Harvey ends up with Solomon Grundy. Mm. I'm refusing to believe that that sewer is right next door to the Batcave. Did it not just only happen so that we can see Robin in action against the rogues? Yes, and see Robin in action without the public seeing Robin in action. Yeah. But it's incredibly contrived. Mm. And it was any moment that makes you stop and go, What? Yeah. How the hell have they got to the Batcave? It didn't... And also, Batman just has yeah. a, a gated entrance into the sewers. Well, I do like that later on he says, I'm going to have to dynamite everyone now. Yeah. What if a rat gets down the... <laughs> Boom! Oh, bloody hell, we just killed another rat. Sorry. (laughs) This bit didn't make any sense. It didn't, and it only exists to see Robin in action. Yeah, and it works, though. The Robin in action scenes are great, but that that is an incredibly contrived way of making it work. And it's th- it doesn't have it so that Dick was following him. Yeah, because you've got the whole thing. He will never ask for help. So so Dick has I'm just going to wait for these guys to yeah, come to the kitchen. He's already dressed. Yeah, Dick. Well, he's got the costume there, but he's yeah. got this costume, and he's just waiting for them to find the cave. What if he didn't? What if he went the other way? Yeah. Or, you know, the cave didn't actually lead to the back yeah. cave. Yeah, here's a wacky idea. How about that the sewers were actually a long way away from the cave, like I suspect that they would be? Mm. So, so the cave is at the end of a sewage tunnel. Yeah. No that wonder it really Yeah, sick. it must reek. See, I thought the back cave had, like, an underwater cavern. Yes. Yeah. The, the cave is supposed to be isolated. The it's cave supposed is supposed to be, to be a cave. Yeah, it's supposed to be on its own. It's not supposed to be connected to the bloody sewer tunnels. <laughs> if it's connected to the sewer tunnels, it's on a map. Yeah. Somebody somewhere knows that those sewer tunnels lead to a cave under Wayne Manor. Yeah. They don't make any sense, does it? It, it's, it almost completely ruined the ending. The Sophia thing, I didn't give a toss about because I didn't care who the hangman killer was. Yeah. But this bit was just a big duh <laughs> moment and just didn't work. You know. The, the sale handles it well. There's a lot of humour in it. 
I did love Batman looking at Robin and saying, what the hell are you wearing? Yeah. Which was, was very funny. And I did remember this as being Robin's origin, but it's not really. No. It's about isolation, like we've talked about, and Batman needing somebody to keep him grounded. Um, Robin's pretty cool in the ending bit, even mm. though the ending doesn't make sense. And it's very similar to the end of um, Snyder's Joker story, Death of the Family. In that story, Joker's the one that falls over the edge into the water, uh, and everyone presumes he's dead. That's the only similarity of all. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just on about this panel. <laughs> okay. It's this actual ending that has that bit, because you know Two-Face isn't dead, don't you? Well, it's only two pages later that he's back. Yeah. I do like that Batman's, you may want to change the yellow cape. Yeah. And Robin's, no, this was the colour my parents wore. So all of that's good, but... Just the, the stumbling on the back here thing felt like something out of the TV show. But even then, it's too silly to be fun silly. Yeah, it is a little bit daft in this crime noir gritty tale. Yeah. Even if this isn't as gritty as, as Long Halloween. Um, we get the big reveal that Catwoman was so interested in Falcone because Carmine Falcone's her father, possibly. I'm sure. Hmm. doesn't affect anything either way so it doesn't matter Harvey obviously isn't dead and he has Carmine's body encased in carbonite with the missing finger with the missing finger what's he going to do with that I don't know does it not melt Uh, yeah since we were told several times that it's really really hot in the sewers yeah Yeah. I I didn't get that also it didn't what's the point of it in the last issue in the couple of last pages it calls back to something that happened in the first page which is fine. By this time, it's a bit irrelevant. Yeah, I liked it in that sense, but I still want to know why he's got Carmine Falcone's body. What's he going to do with it? I think the implication was that he was going to send them pieces. More of pieces. Yeah, but he doesn't. And well, there's none left. And now he's got an entire body. Yeah, there's no Falcone's left to send pieces yeah. to. Mario don't give a shit, does he? So, uh, you know, okay. Um, apart from that ridiculous bit... It was more satisfying long Halloween, and this this time it felt all wrapped up. I feel like this was neatly. only more satisfying long Halloween because this didn't have enough clues for the reveal to be to be a, a, a what? Yeah, yeah. Right, I think it, 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 this can't exist without the long Halloween. No, the pair of them are bookends, and it doesn't work as well on its own as you could lead, read long Halloween on its own and, and then that, just not and read, not read the sequel. It, yeah. You can't read this without reading Long Halloween because it doesn't work. Both together make a cohesive whole, and I think both are slightly improved by reading both. Yeah. Because you get a lot more depth in this from, from the Long Halloween. The Long Halloween's the more respected work, but I think that I enjoyed Dark Victory more. Right. For all the reasons that we've said as we've gone through it. I felt the character beats were better. I felt the story pacing was better. I felt more was going on, mm. and there wasn't as much padding in this one as there was in the long Halloween um, there's not as many scratch your head moments until you get to the end yeah but and sales art's magnificent what did you you didn't you weren't a fan were you? I preferred long Halloween okay well, even thought, with all the problems you had with it yes why because ultimately at the heart yeah well okay maybe not at the heart the whole point of the story are they're both murder mysteries yes despite what this is at its heart they are both murder mysteries. And so, for the first 11 issues, yeah. Dark Victory was a flawed but flawless murder mystery. Right. Despite the ending, the first 11 issues are great. And this fails on every front at 
being any kind of murder mystery. Oh, it's it's very definitely not a murder mystery. It does not work as a murder mystery. And the fact that we're given... A, you forget, you know, Alberto and Gilder and all that long Halloween. We're given a perfect killer hmm. and a perfect motivation and it's thrown away. Yeah, Just with plot twist. Jeff Loeb, yeah. right, has the potential to be a great mystery writer and yet he's constantly let down by his desire for to write plot twists. That don't actually make any sense and yeah. don't service the story. He has potential but lets himself down. You're right, this would have made much more sense to be Calendar Man. Yeah. And change the motivation of the killer for I'm being forgotten. Mm. Yeah, that's the other two I hate when you're right. <laughs> it just pains me. Uh, Alright, well that's, that's... I hope the people that requested we cover these are happy. <laughs> Um, I, there is no next time because I don't know what next time's going to be, and I don't know when next time's going to be. Because what are your holidays this year? I don't know. After is there a February after, or is the next time you're home Easter? I think the next time I'm home is Easter. Right. Okay. So that'll be March or April time. Mm. So we'll probably bang out another episode. Then we may do Captain America White if we've got it by that point. Okay. So that'll be another loop sale collaboration, wouldn't it? Yeah. So until the next time we join you, lovely listeners. Which was, at this point, we don't know when that will be. Be good to yourself, and we'll be back as soon as we can. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. Episodes drop intermittently. It's hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All sound clips and music used in the show are for review purposes only, so don't sue us, because we talk over them, so it's not like people can rip them off. Correspondence to the show can be sent to heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. Hey